we are in Acts 2 today and um, we're looking at who the Holy Spirit is. And I've kind of, I just want to say, before we even get into the Word of God, that prophetically I want to say across us is that there is more. Just let that drop into your hearts, that there is more. We are only just scratching the surface of what it is to know Jesus and encounter Jesus and be with Jesus. And there is more. We've just had a month of prayer, as you all know, and um, it has been a real joy. And um, just watching the month of prayer, as I've watched people attend, uh, we have had like countless people at prayer meetings. Like I am really blown away by the number of people that have shown up for prayer meetings. And as the month has gone on, the prayer meetings have become, uh, they've become just this, this obvious hunger for the things of God. We've been praying and we are asking for God's, you know, God's presence. We're looking to encounter Jesus. There has been something different in our prayer meetings. Even this morning, the hunger as we were praying for the things of God was so evident and so apparent. God is doing something among us as a people and he is stirring us to something and there is more. <coughs> Um, I was, it, some of the things that I've seen over the last month reminded me of, um, I'm going to age myself right now, reminded me of some of the things that I saw in the mid-90s when I was clearly very young, very, very, very young. And um, some of the things that happened in the mid-90s. So in the mid-90s, there was an outbreak of the presence of God, of the move of the Holy Spirit. We often refer to this as the Toronto blessing. And um, I was in a church which really was at the forefront of all of this. They were pushing for this. And I used to remember going to meetings. I'd go to the 10.30 service, and then I'd go back to the 6.30 service. And often, I wouldn't leave before midnight because the presence of God was so obvious. I mean, I was young, I didn't have family, I didn't have kids, and none of that. I'd had no responsibilities, and I, I knew that I could burn the candle at both ends. But we would finish the service, and we were always keen to get prayed for, and the Holy Spirit would come and do beautiful things, and people would laugh, and they would cry. We would fall over. In fact, I got to the stage where I just enjoyed the presence of God so much, I wouldn't go forward and get prayer. I would just go and lay down and do my own little carpet time, because... You didn't actually need anybody to pray. You could just, like, receive from the presence of God because God's God, isn't he? And, and I remember those. And, in fact, those times for me were so significant because it was a result of those times that I ended up giving up a career in marketing in order to come and serve and work in a church. And so for the last very long time, I have worked in churches. I might come back to that in a moment. I'm not, also need to say before we get into this, I am not looking to replicate what happened in the 90s because that was the 90s. That is yesterday's manner. I don't need to trade on, on something that happened 25, 26 years ago, but I'm not interested in that. What I'm looking for is what God wants to do among us today. And the reason that I refer to it is that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, our lives are changed. They are transformed. We go from kind of just doing life to actually living life and life in all its fullness. So in Acts 2, uh, just before I read it to you, just let me just set the scene. The disciples are in a room 
and they are they are kind of in Acts one. What has happened is that Jesus, well, we've gone through the resurrection, we've gone through the death and the resurrection, crucifixion, death and resurrection of Jesus. And in Acts one, he has ascended, he has left them, and he has said, um, "Wait here for the promised Holy Spirit to come." So he's given them an instruction. But they are living in this place. They're in a room, and I suspect that they're a little bit afraid. All the powers of the community, of, you know, against them, the Jewish leaders, the Roman leaders, the people around them. And this is a group of people. This is... <laughs> that sounds bad, doesn't it? <laughs> Just looking at me like I don't want to move. Take my watch off. I don't know. There we go. It seems to be all right now. Um, there's a, they, they are, they, yeah, so they are afraid. They're in a room. They are waiting for something. They don't know what is about to happen. So this is what happens. Acts 1. So Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And in a moment, their lives are changed. In a moment, fear leaves them and they are empowered. They're able to speak in different languages such that other people can understand them. In a moment, what happens at the Tower of Babel is reversed. And then Peter stands up. He gets up and he says, he brings an explanation of what's going on because people are confused. What is happening? These people are talking in different languages. And Peter quotes from uh, Joel and he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Something beautiful and something wonderful has happened to the disciples. And the result of their encounter with Jesus, it leads to a, the proclamation of the gospel and it leads to people being saved. Peter gets up and says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. And he persuades them. Effectively, he gives the first kind of gospel message and the church is birthed as a result. The result of all of this is all of these lives are transformed. The believers are, get to live in community. We're told right at the end of Acts 2.42, there were signs and wonders, as I've already said. They broke bread and they were sharing what they had. They lived with things in common. They sold their property and made sure that everybody had what they needed. They gave to those that needed stuff. They met every day and they daily 
people were added to their number. In fact, in this, cha in this chapter, the first time Peter gets up and speaks, 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000. I mean, like, we wouldn't know what to do with, like, 30 new people getting saved, let alone 300 or even 3,000. I mean, I'd love, I'd love that. What a problem to have. So what does this mean for us? I need to say, first of all, that being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't something that's just a Bible-based story. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is for now. It is for today. Without the Holy Spirit, following the Bible or turning up just on Sundays just becomes a religious duty. It's not a living or dynamic relationship with God. Without the Holy Spirit, reading scripture is just reading a textbook. Without the Holy Spirit, singing praise and worship songs is actually just a good old sing song and you could sit around a campfire and sing it. Without the Holy Spirit, prayer meetings are just a bunch of empty words. And without the Holy Spirit, you cannot say, Jesus is Lord. You need the Holy Spirit in order for your relationship with God to be real and to be active. The Holy Spirit brings power and brings change. But how does this happen? I know, like I've had conversations with people and I know people are a little bit fearful because they've heard those stories of, of the 90s or they've heard stories of other outbreaks across the world and they're like, a little bit weird, I don't understand speaking in tongues, I don't get what this is, I don't get what that is. God is never going to force himself on you. Jesus does not force himself on you. The Holy Spirit does not force himself on you. He meets you where you are at. He knows how you are made. He knows you intimately. And so he knows what you need and gives you what you need. The Holy Spirit isn't something that's done to you. It's something that you actively receive. There is a stepping in. You need to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens when you encounter the Holy Spirit, when you encounter more of Jesus? I'm not looking for the manifestations. I know that we know some people will cry and some people will laugh. And there are all sorts of things that happen when the Holy Spirit comes and meets with you. It's not ever about the outward manifestation. Those are good and sometimes they're needed. But actually, it's what goes on on the inside. You lay a hold of the Holy Spirit by faith. You receive it by faith. It is a promise that is given to you. If you are able to say Jesus is Lord, then the Holy Spirit is with you. We also know the Holy Spirit loves to give gifts. So if we read 1 Corinthians 12, for example, we would see a whole bunch of gifts, which we love to see exercised. We love the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. We love the word of knowledge. We love prophecy. But it also gives other gifts, like the gift of helps and the gift of administration and the gift of being able to serve. The Holy Spirit is holistic. It impacts every single area and part of your life. There is not a bit that the Holy Spirit can't get into because he can. We also know that the Holy Spirit um, grows fruit in us because we know that in Galatians 5.22, we are taught about the fruit of the Spirit and what that looks like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
gentleness and self-control. I don't want to be just getting up to speak for the sake of speaking. I want to share something of who God is because my desperate heart's desire is that we as a people encounter God such that even as we walk out of here on a Sunday morning, people would look at us and say, what is going on? That they would see the, the presence of Jesus, the radiance of the Holy Spirit, even on our faces. And that it isn't a Sunday morning where we just get a top-up and we're like, oh, yes, I've got my little top-up. But actually, we are so transformed that our desire to be in the presence of Jesus overrides our desire for anything else. It overrides our desire to, um, I don't know, just, just all the other things that the world tells you that's important. Because when you look at Jesus, when you look at his wonderful face, you know, everything does go into black and white. It really does. And so today, we have deliberately given time over. I mean, I could carry on talking, but it's pointless, because actually, I just want you to encounter Jesus. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit more and more, actively stepping in. And so we've deliberately given more time over to worshipping and spending time with Jesus. And, you know, there's a, there's a diligence in that, and there is a... Um, uh, a practice in that, in being able to do it, in being able to spend prolonged time in the presence of God and encountering him. Expect to be changed. Come with that expectation that Jesus wants to meet with you, wants to set you free in his presence. He deals with the stuff. He deals with all the stuff that kind of needles you. He deals with the stuff that is going on in your head. And in his presence, you experience freedom and fullness of joy. So how you want to respond to this is entirely up to you. I often say, you're grown-ups. You know what to do. You can choose to stand or sit. You can choose to kneel. You can choose to put your arms out. You can choose to just rest. There is no formula for how you meet with God other than absolutely deliberately choosing to get in the way of the Holy Spirit. So can I invite you just to close your eyes if you feel comfortable, stand if you feel comfortable. In a moment, Barney's going to come and the, the worship guys are all going to turn up and lead us. But I'm just going to pray now. Holy Spirit, come. There is more. There's more for every single person here. Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning you go deep with us. We invite you to come. Fill us afresh. Father, bring to mind the things that we need to bring to you. Go deep. Let there be no space in our world where we don't invite you in. We open it all up. We want you to deliberately come in. We, 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 we want to get in the way of the Holy Spirit this morning. We want to receive from you. So more, Lord. More of you.